afternoon, everyone. Just let me know if you can see and hear me okay. I am just going to check in on Facebook just to check that we have gone live. Hopefully we have. Not been able to see myself yet. So any eyes on, let me know if you can see and hear me okay. It says I'm live, so hopefully that is the case. Yes, I can see myself. There we go. Okay, got a few people jumping on. Uh, hi, Chris. Hello, Cindy. Hello again. Um, anyone else? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's coming through now. Hi, James. Good to see you guys. Um, I'm just going to log into <laughs> the other group uh, just to check. Um, I need to log out, log in. How's it going, everyone? Um, good to see everyone jumping on, which is good. Phil, Adresh, Kay, uh, Julian. Uh, Julian, I need to answer your message. Uh, I've seen it. When I see names pop up, I'm like, yes, I need to do that. I need to answer that message. So apologies uh, for delay on that. I'm just going to go into the other group just so I can see any names. Busy as a bee. That's good. Guys, let me know how sales is going at the moment. Uh, we've got Ben and y uh, Yoni as well. Uh, I'm just checking on the other group. I'm just going to jump into that one. Hopefully the sound is off. It, as you as you can see, it's just me today, uh, but it is intentional. Um, so hi, Donna. Uh, Matthew has joined us. Damien, uh, Lindsay as well. So it is intentional today because uh, I want to talk about replens and I want to talk specifically about that. I mean, I want you guys to, to talk to me about it. I want to show you a couple of things today as well on the live. Um, you know, I want to start talking about a different mindset when it comes to this business, because I really do think um, there needs to be uh, a little bit of a mindset shift about reselling, uh, in particular in the UK, um, over the next few months, essentially. So I wanted to very much talk about that today. Loads of people coming on today. I think it's the subject matter. Uh, you know, everyone loves a good replan. Um, Chris says it's slow but good up from last year and 99% of my listings are his and not other people's. Absolutely. So that's one of the things that we'll talk about today is being in control um, and having a replenishable business uh, and certainly having part of that. It's all about percentages, I think. So what I mean by that is when you do this type of business, a certain percentage of the business should be replenishable and then a certain percentage of your replenishable business, you should be in control of. And over time, you can gradually increase each one of those percentages and it becomes like a little bit of a balancing act, uh, essentially. Um, sorry, I've got my window open for some reason, which I know is a bit crazy because obviously it is blowing a hoolie out there and it's wet and cold and, you know, well, cold I like, uh, but it is raining. So if you can hear the door rebounding, that's why it's not, you know, there's not a ghost in the house. I haven't got like a uh, and beyond the buy box uh, poltergeist or anything like that. It is the window that's doing it. And one of those weirdos, uh, even on the coldest day of the year, I just go around, open all the windows in my house. I would rather wrap up warm and have the, the air flowing in the house as opposed to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cindy, we always have this conversation. You know, me and Andrew are spirit animals. Definitely. Uh, I think uh, kindred spirits, I should say. Uh, more than anything else, so just literally, I don't know. I there's definitely some Scottish blood in there from me, 
living up in the highlands and just being cold. So that's what I want to talk about today. We've got Red Dwan. Uh, good to see you. Um, loads of people joining today. James, Rona. Hi, everyone. Hi, Lindsay. Uh, good to see everyone. So tell me about um, Daniel has just joined us. He's first. He's on the ball. We've got Steve as well um, saying first tongue in cheek, obviously. Um, so tell me, guys, what percentage no matter what model you're selling, whether you're selling in the UK, whether you're selling in the US, if you are selling in Europe, um, if it's arbitrage, if it's wholesale, if it's, you know, bundles, if it's private label, well, if it's private label, then it's probably all replenishable, otherwise you haven't got a business. Um, but tell me what part or what percentage of your business do you think is replenishable? So, when it comes to your monthly spend, so your budgets within your business, what part or what amount of that spend is attributed to replenishable products? So when we talk about replenishable, I'm just going to wait for the comments to come in. When Because there's plenty of you here today. When we talk about that replenishable side of things, we talk about replenishable from a seller's point of view, not a customer's point of view. If it is a replenishable product, i.e. it goes on subscribe and save or something like that from a customer point of view, that's a bonus. We don't care particularly, uh, you know, we don't predominantly care on the reselling side of things. So if we are not in control of that listing, we do not care if the same person buys for us. We're not interested in repeat business, essentially. Uh, unless, you know, you're in control of it a little bit more on subscribe and save or you're running a wholesale and you are relying on having a large percentage of the buy box because you carry high levels of stock. Then in that case, you there may be a little bit more importance placed on whether the customers are repeat, repeat purchasing. So when we talk about replenishables, we talk very much from the seller's point of view. So the perfect example would be um, you wouldn't ordinarily think of a screwdriver as a replenishable product because, you know, from a consumer point of view, if someone buys a screwdriver, they'll probably, unless they lose it or they're in the trade or something like that, they're probably going to buy like one screwdriver for like a couple of screwdrivers their whole life, uh, essentially, unless you're Matt and, you know, he has quite a few screwdrivers, but... I think that's just a man thing. Um, but yeah, it's not something that you're going to buy every week, essentially. So from that point of view, you don't ordinarily think of something like a screwdriver as a replenishable product. But like I said, from my point of view, um, I'm not really looking to attract repeat customer on that on that business, because if I did, then it wouldn't be successful <laughs> unless it screws you over. But um, boom. So what I'm looking for, for a potential replenishable product is a constant demand of a product. So screwdrivers will always be in demand. There will never not be a time when a screwdriver is not in demand to be bought, purchased by something. Unless there's some sort of engineer like innovation where screws are no longer needed. You know, that's what we're talking about, the level of, um, you know, the demand dying when something becomes obsolete. So as far as I'm aware, screwdrivers are still very much, you know, a high demand product. So there's always going to be 
a new level of customers coming in to buy this particular product. So that's what we're interested in from a replenishable point of view. So while I was explaining that, I was hoping that some people were going to say the percentage of their business dedicated to um, replenishable products, but everyone's super shy. Everyone's been really shy today and, and everyone's saying hi, which is great. Got Paul, Paulina, David's joined us as well uh, and Nora as well. There we go. Got some got some numbers coming in. So Daniel says 99%. Uh, Jess says 50 to 60%. Uh, Cindy says 100%. Okay, so I'm going to talk about percentage-wise. So certain percentages, sir, um, who says that? Someone says about 80%, Steve. About 80% replants. Okay, so there's a little bit of a danger zone when it comes to replens as well. So today's session, by the way, I didn't really explain. We're just going to talk about replens today. I'm going to show you the benefit of building replens into your business or having a certain percentage of replenishable products in your business, whether it's, you know, buying and selling other people's products or creating your own products. Um, you know, whether it's selling in the UK, selling in the US, selling in Europe, you know, this works on every level in every geographical market. But it's about the numbers. It's about the numbers getting it right. So too much replens in your business can not encourage growth in your business. Too little cannot give you the security. So it's about finding the right balance between them and depending on which model that you're selling as well. So a couple of people have said like 99%, 100% in your business replenishable. That's a great example of if you are entirely in charge of your own destiny of creating your own replenishable products where other sellers can't jump on and ruin your ruin the party or private label or or something like that then the closer you can get to 100% the better okay well it will be 100% if you're only creating you, you should only be answering 100% if you are just purely creating your own products and you're not selling other people's products, okay? Or you're the brand owner. That's really when it should only be 100%. And by the way, when I say really, I'm not telling anyone off. It shouldn't be right or wrong or anything like that. I'm just giving you examples of typical percentages that we see. Now, if you are a reseller and you do not create your own listings in any way, shape or form, then you will probably, and if you have a high level of replens, then there's probably a good chance that you're selling more wholesale model, something like that. And if you can get a constant supply of stock and it's a little bit higher, you know, fruit uh, in terms of it's not low hanging fruit because you can, anyone can go down to Tesco's and pick it up. You know, if it's, um, again, wholesalers and you have, maybe exclusivity of a product or exclusive deal, or you know that you are getting the majority of, of the supply of the product, then absolutely for that, uh, again, the closer you can get to the higher percentage is good. If you are work the other way now and tell you um, why it can be dangerous being in too many replens in selling other people's products, as well, is what can happen is sometimes you can be consumed 
by replans. So what I mean by that is you can put all of your eggs in a replan basket. And when you get really good at replans, one of the things that you should be doing is managing your stock effectively and productively. And what that actually means is, it, but it will get to a point where if you're selling on other people's listings, that you, you are not going to have 100% of the buy box. It's just impossible to get 100% of the buy box on other people's listings that anybody can sell on, even if you have the highest stock, even if you can sell at the highest price. It's just impossible because the buy box doesn't work like that. But there will come a maximum point where it comes down to cash flow versus stock management versus what you can actually sell, where you will hit your upper limit on how much you, you know, you test the upper limit of, say, for instance, it sells 300 units a month. Um, and you can you can get that, you can sell it at that price or whatever. But it may be that the maximum that you're ever going to get on that buy box is 80% or 60% or something like that. Um, you know, even being in stock, continuously the whole time because like I said that's not how the buy box works it's not about just who's got the most stock or just who's got the highest percentage of sale or just who's got the biggest amount of reviews or percentage of reviews or anything like that it's 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 something that combines a lot of different factors in determination of where the buy box gets delivered now that's something that might change moving forward, given the announcement that Amazon made last week. We might start seeing a more even distribution uh, of the buy box, given the competition authority uh, announcement that they talked about last week between, you know, prime and non-prime and all these different types of things. So this is something um, moving forward um, that might change. So that's something to be aware of as well anyway. So... But once you get to the point where if your business is 100% replans and you are 100% fulfilling all of the capacity of sales in your business, then what can actually happen is your business can actually stagnate. Um, where you've not got a certain amount of new SKUs coming into the business, what tends to happen is replans have a, have a life cycle. Now, um, no replan will last forever. Sometimes they come back off and come back on as well. So no, no replan has a life cycle. Uh, every replan has a life cycle. So what tends to happen is that 100% within your business um, is something that can change. So it can retract. If you focus on that and you're not putting new in, if you have replans that are dropping out of your business and you're not either replacing them or increasing on them, you're either always going to stay the same or what could happen is you, your business could actually retract. So it could actually decrease um, where you're not replacing ones that are dropping off. So they're falling out the back end essentially. So it's, it's being aware of this type of business and getting the percentage right on replenishables and always being in a position where you can take into account the of what you're already doing versus your output as in what needs to be coming in depending on what type of uh, selling model that you're doing and balancing it all and staying in stock at the same time simple right guys sounds really simple <laughs>
<laughs> to be able to do that. But I do think people overcomplicate it. So what I mean by that is the examples that I've used then is people, I believe, and I do think I've got quite a good authority on this because of the amount of people I speak to, the amount of people I work with, our own businesses, um, you know, networking and conversations. When people really struggle to grow their business, one of the things that we will always look at is, are they putting too much emphasis in one area? Are they growing? Have they not got that balance right within their business? Because especially if you're running a replen business, it is dangerous just to replen and nothing else. You always have to be getting new blood. You always. Now, of course, it goes without saying, um, as you are building a replenishable business, the percentage of new blood, i.e. stuff that's coming in, um, will be higher than your replens. And over time, that scale will balance. But what you always want to do is make sure that there's always new coming in and the new outweighs what is falling out the back end. OK, now it will get to a point where, say, for instance, you've got a 20 percent uh, drop off rate and your business scales to a point that you're happy with. Well, then all you have to make sure is you're doing 20 percent new is coming in versus what's going out the other end. Essentially, it's about, re, you know, maintaining that. That's fine. You can absolutely do that. But if you're not bringing new in, then what will happen is that 20% will negatively compound. So we talk about compounding, the compounding effect, but it works the other way as well. Has anyone ever been in a position with their business when all of a sudden you get to a point where you grow, 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 then you stay the same. But then no matter what you seem to do, in your business, it kind of goes down the other way. That's what we call negative compounding. So it works the other way. When something is, when the balance isn't right and new stuff is not being replaced by the stuff that doesn't work anymore. So we often see that when things change on Amazon and, you know, sales tactics change or we see a algorithmic change or, or, or something like that. So, yeah, Richard said, I've seen this last year. So that's quite common, by the way, um, after the COVID period and having really one, what is one of the first full years back of selling on Amazon. Um, if you've not changed much within your business and carried on the same, this is where most people have seen a re retraction in their business, you know, doing things exactly the same. Um, and, you know, that's that's probably one of the biggest trends that I've seen over the last 12 months is people's businesses retracting um, because they haven't got the balance right. And when I say right, I don't mean right or wrong. I mean right for them and the model they're selling, because I really do believe it's about getting those percentages right. Like I said, 100% is good if you're in control of it all. It's not good if you're not because the rug can get pulled out from you. So it's about getting those percentages right. Does that make sense so far? Guys, I'm going to come back and look at the comments uh, in a moment. It's just me, so I need to grab a drink. Otherwise, I, I'm amazed after everything. All of the coaching I'm doing at the moment, the event that we did last week, the lives, everything like that, how I've not uh, lost my voice, I have no idea. Phil says, bit off topic, but what's your thoughts on the new CMA ruling? Um, I don't know yet, Phil, to be perfectly honest, because 
I've fallen victim previously of, uh, I think I said this to you in the hive anyway as well. So um, my thoughts haven't really changed on it. I've fallen victim into panicking about these sort of things. And then actually when they're implemented, seeing what effect that has on the business. And then when it's actually uh, been implemented, nothing's really changed. Um, or there's quite an easy workaround or it, it's actually produced an unexpected benefit. You know, we've had that happen before. So we've actually been scared of the change, but actually when it's gone in, it's 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 produced like an unexpected benefit. So with this one in particular, I'm going to learn from my previous mistakes or learn from experience, not mistakes, learn from experience that uh, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Um, I think there are lots of different potential outcomes that it could be. I've seen people talking, okay, well, you know, this is only good for merchant fulfilled sellers. Is it only good for this? Or it prime means nothing, you know, all of these different types of things. But I think sometimes we underestimate the buyers as well. So like Matt, I'm not an Amazon shopper. Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm not an Amazon shopper. I don't really shop on Amazon. It's too expensive uh, for me. But Matt is a big Amazon shopper. Uh, we have Amazon every single day uh, that arrives. But Matt only shops from a Prime point of view. So whenever he goes onto Amazon, he's permanently got the Prime button sent. So for all the people saying, okay, well, this is, you know, this is only going to benefit the merchant fulfilled sellers. And yes, I do get that argument. But don't underestimate the amount of people that hit that prime only option, which means they won't even be shown the merchant fulfilled offers. So I don't know how it's going to work, um, but I do know Amazon. Um, one of the things I've historically seen over the years is even when Amazon is forced to do something, there's either a workaround because it's not like illegal or anything like that, you know, like HFSS. Uh, we all panicked about that. And yes, it did have an impact for a certain period of time. Um, but many sellers found a way around it. Um, no comments, you know, on, on that. I'm not going to go into that. But many sellers did that because Amazon not actually, there's no consequences from Amazon uh, as it stands for um, using that workaround essentially. So again, there might be something like that that comes into effect, um, that there's no consequences for whatever the workaround could be. Um, and also Amazon, sometimes they're either over the top or not at all, I think. Sometimes even with these type of things, they implement it and then you don't really hear about it again or it doesn't make an impact or they don't enforce it or or something like that. Like I remember years ago, something came out, there was a ruling in Germany about that Amazon could not, um, Amazon couldn't um, like suspend people's accounts, right? They just couldn't suspend people's accounts uh, willy nilly kind of thing. Well, that never got like implemented, even though it was law. So, yes, you've got account health assurance and things like that, but you have to hit a certain metric before you do that. So, yeah, that was a really long winded way of me saying, I think we just got to wait and see. Um, I'm just carrying on as normal. 
Uh, but obviously it does lean more to the argument of being control of your own fate, guys. You know, have a certain amount of your business. It doesn't have to be 100% of your business, but have a certain percentage of your business um, where you don't have to worry about sharing the buy box with other people, which, of course, is creating your own listings. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, Karim says, I think bundling a strong PL strategy is the way forward. I think the days of sourcing OA and easily finding a winning product are long gone. People, lots of people are jumping on OA deal sheets, VAs, using the same tactic, uh, which is his opinion. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. I think things need to be done differently. It's what, what's that saying? And I can't remember if it was JP Morgan or Carnegie or someone said it, that good times create no, weak or bad times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, whatever it is. Whatever that saying is, you guys should know. Everyone that's watching this, they should. you should know what that saying is. But what's happened, good times on Amazon have created weak sellers to be perfectly honest, that that is exactly what's happening. And what, of course, I'm talking about is COVID, um, you know, having that massive level of demand. But also, good times have created lots of service. Um, it was interesting. I was talking to someone before this. I was said about going live and they were saying what you're going to talk about. And um, we were talking about, like, coaching and what people um, – <laughs> sorry, Pat. It's so funny. Cindy will tell us. And yet she came in straight, straight away with it and, and tell us what it was. Um, my coaching's changed a lot when I work with people. When I first started coaching, it was coaching people on how to source, finding winning products, doing this, doing that. Well, now, and this very much revolves around the post that I wrote this week about, you know, um, the skill in running an Amazon business, I believe, is no longer in in the sourcing. I believe it's in the selling now more so um, than it was before, um, because there are so many easy sourcing op options. Essentially, I could come in at any point. I can get a VA. I don't even need to learn this business to be able to source now. It can, you know, it's just so easy to be able to do it. All the strategies are known. Uh, I don't believe anyone's got any hidden strategies whatsoever. Every single strategy is known um, and that can be accessed easily with money, um, you know, if you're prepared to pay for it. And for anyone that's not prepared to pay for it, they're almost at a disadvantage, to be perfectly honest. The only difference is when um, there's literally, I suppose, like a good relationship or an exclusive deal or, or something like that, that, that would be the only, um, that would be the only exception to it. So that's what's happened at the moment. So in my opinion, and this purely in my opinion, um, in my opinion, the focus now needs to shift from sourcing to selling as opposed, you know, you have to do all of your standard due diligence. I'm not saying take away from, um, 
you know, can I sell this product because of IP? Can I sell this product? Is it going to be restricted? You know, all of your standard due diligence. But think about it from this point of view. Okay. A few years ago, I used to put a lot of emphasis on the back end of sourcing and analysis of the data on how that product sold. And I used to base that on what had gone before. So the last 12 months of selling. But if you think about it, when that used to work and where there used to be so much emphasis on that is me assuming that I was going to get the lion's share of the sales. Whereas now, because there is so much accessible to a product that comes into deal, um, and we all, I, I don't need to tell you this. So if anyone wants to disagree with me, go ahead. You know, for every person that disagrees, I can show you a chart that proves this. But for every time you see that big, you know, spike in sellers is because all the VAs have shared it. All of the deals, it's gone onto a deal sheet. You know, all of the reasons we know for saturation because it's easy. So what is the point of looking into depth and how that product sells if moving forward, it's not going to sell in the same way? What's the point of looking stability of product over the last three months in sale price if that's going to be completely disrupted moving forward? There is no point because most deals now, unless you have an advantage or you're the first person to discover it, this is why you need to look at your business and analyze how often, at what point saturation occurs. Do you generally get there first? Okay. Or are you that person that kind of ends up in the danger zone where it's starting to increase and, and you're right in, in the highest level of peak of new sellers that are coming on? So what is the point of doing all this? And, you know, yeah, you've got to know how to read a, uh, you got to know how to read a keeper chart. Of course you do. But I don't see the point. I just need to know now that it sells. But I don't care about price stability because that's going to change moving forward. It's going to change. What I'm saying is we're basing our selling decisions on stuff that hasn't happened yet. So this is why, for me, the shift needs to occur, mindset shift, from moving away to in-depth level of analysis on sourcing and moving more of our focus and attention on actually selling the product or not selling the product as it would be in your selling strategy as opposed to your sourcing strategy. Does that make sense? Hopefully I've, I've said that in the right way. Um, so it's Michael Hoff, post-apocalyptic novel, apparently. Those who remain hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. So there we go. That's exactly the process of what I was talking about. And that's what we're in at the moment. So we're in this section. You can't see my mouse. But uh, we're very much in the good times create weak men uh, we're heading out of that and we're going into the weak men create hard times. That's the period that we're going into now. So this is when the mind's, mind shift 
mindset shift needs to occur in how you look at this business and being flexible and adaptable and making sure that you've got your percentages. You make sure you've got your balance right in your business. And I believe for selling on Amazon 2024, moving forward for the next couple of years, you have to have a certain level of replenishable in your business, whether it's through selling other people product or whether it's creating your own or a combination of both, you must have that element within your business. Because if you are constantly just relying on new deals within your business, you're always playing catch up for the very reasons that, that I've just said. You're always behind the curve purely because those deals are so accessible unless you've got an edge, unless you're that person that's prepared to go out and do RA, unless you're that person that is prepared to form a relationship with someone to have a level of exclusivity. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Newer listings can definitely do better than older listings. Uh, we know that as part of what we create as well in terms of what Amazon wants us to do. So I really do find, you know, I think moving forward that if you want to be successful in this business, regardless of however long you've been selling. So, you know, I know people are scared of change and I know people don't want to do things and they don't want to move with the times. But what you've got to take into account is this is a fluid system. I said this earlier. I've said it a number of times. I said it in our in-person meetup last week. This is not a stagnant model, okay? There is more similarities in this selling model on Amazon, regardless of whatever you're doing, with the exception of traditional private label. There are more similarities to stock trading i.e. buying and selling of stocks, day trading, to this business than there is selling on eBay or running a standard e-commerce business. When you think about it, nothing is static with, you know, with, um, you know, with the exception, I would say, of like that traditional private label. But even so, nothing is static. Cost of goods changes. Cost of delivery changes. Things go up. You know, well, I was going to say things come down, but at the moment it's mainly just going up. But we take into account all of those different things. So uh, Richard says, I want to get out of OA ASP or at least drop it to 20%. But again, again, I'm not picking on you, Richard. I don't want you to think that's the case. But a OA is still a very viable model if run in a certain way. Okay. And run complementing those other parts of the business as well. So again, it's about percentages. So I really do believe that there is still very much legs in OA. Absolutely. But run in a different way, not focusing on the sourcing element of it, but focusing on the back end of the selling element of it. So that's absolutely. Yeah. If you don't like it, you don't like it. It's as simple as that. But I do believe that there is uh, a way that you can still run it just with a slightly different uh, mindset approach to it. But yeah, if you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. It's as simple as that. And again, I was having this conversation with someone earlier. We all of us do this business because 
um, or I hope all of us do in this business because there's an element of what we want to do versus what we don't want to do. Otherwise, if we're just doing everything we don't want to do, we may as well just have a job and have the security of working for someone else. So there is definitely an element of, of that. But always have a balance. I think that's that's important to always have a balance within your business. Um, Simon says people have to be able to create listings going forward. I agree, knowing how to do it in the right way. Uh, Simon says uh, people underestimate how many new sellers are still joining yearly and big sellers disappearing. Absolutely. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. The Amazon model is always going to be super sexy. It's always going to be a model that's going to attract um, the amount of people, you know, new people into it because what's not to love? I buy something from Tesco's. You know, if you follow the TikTokers, I buy something from Tesco's. There's six pound profit in it, which we all know that they're just doing it on the Amazon seller app. They're not taking into account that on fees, prep costs, you know, all these different types of things. Uh, it's coming. They're coming in buy it from Tesco for six quid. I sell it for 12 quid and, oh, there's five pound profit in that. All I need to do is sell 500 of those every single month. And yeah, where's my Lambo? We know it doesn't work like that. You know, you, you find that out very, very quickly as, as soon as you come into selling, you know, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So it will always be massively attractive to people whilst the arbitrage model is, is always allowed on Amazon, which I see no reason why it won't be. But big sellers are disappearing. They are. But I will. And I do stand by it's adapt or die time. And this is what I mean. Coming back to that phrase. Um, good times. Create whatever it is. I've lost it now. Uh, but this is what we're in at the moment. We're in the weak men create hard times. We're in between good times, create weak men and weak men create hard times. And what will happen is if you are that person that can survive now, if you can adopt what we're talking about now into your business, adapt, be flexible, be fluid, then you will come back out of it and be in those strong times again. And your business will become resilient and you will become resilient as a business owner. And then you'll be around forever. If you notice the sellers that are always around um, are always like there's a very small percentage of people that are always around that never go because they are the people that understand that. I know that what worked two years ago doesn't work now and what worked now may not work in two years. So it's more a case of having that ability to be able to adapt more than anything else, which sounds super simple, but believe me, it's a lot harder to do um, you know, for than, than you think, essentially. So I do believe that one, I think there's about four or five things that people need to be doing in their business. And if they're not prepared to do them or a certain level of that, then they're going to really struggle over the next 12 months. But again, I want to bring it back to replens and talk about that. And I want to talk about some of the reason why having replenishable side of your business is so, so strong. So again, we don't talk about it from a customer point of view. We talk about it from a seller point of view. Richard says, where's my Lambo? Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I was promised my Lambo. Where is it? That's what people, you know, sort of like get, get led into believing with this model. 
But what I love about replens and why having an important part of this, uh, you know, having a part of this in your business is so important is you get to predict where your business can go. There's a certain percentage that you will be able to forecast within your business. OA is really hard to forecast. And that's why people find it really hard to scale, because most businesses, in order for them to scale over the years, um, you need a plan. You need not only targets, but you need to be able to forecast what is coming in versus what is going out, uh, essentially. And that's really hard to do that on OA, because how can you forecast on something you don't know whether it's going to happen? So what I mean by that, if, if you're purely in uh, reselling, if you're purely in reselling, then how do I forecast on something well I don't know if there's going to be deals now there is always deals of course there is but we go through lean times and we go through profitable times when there's more deals than there's not so there's an inconsistency to it and it's very hard to build a forecast on inconsistent data so when you have replenishables in your business and you have the same products that are selling over and over again for yourself or a certain percentage of that business, it builds a foundation in your business, or it gives you a certain percentage or a certain part of your business that you can build upon. So what I mean by that is if I have X amount of units that are being sold through replenishable, well, if I increase that, that means that my business will increase. That's what it comes down to. Whereas on the reselling side of things, Yes, if I have X amount of units that are reselling, uh, sorry, X amount of units that I'm selling, well, I have to start again from zero from every single month because I can't go back to the same source. So, again, one of the big benefits of replenishables is you do the work once and then you build on it. And that's what smart people do. You do, this, you do the work once. Whereas if you're doing it from an OA point of view, you're doing exactly the same level of work, okay? Every single month, over and over again. And that's how burnout occurs. Because there's no opportunity to take your foot off the gas. You take your foot off your gas, your business goes, you know, your business goes down. Whereas with replens, you have a foundation. Works the opposite as well. Without replens within your business if you're doing the same amount of work every single month repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and that's great during good times but if the deals aren't there you're going to suffer a loss if you get ill you're going to suffer a loss all of these different types of things the biggest danger is there's no scale in that because most people build on what they're already doing so what I mean by that is from an OA point of view, if I want to increase, I've got to increase my workload as well. So if I'm if I'm rolling at 100 percent in my business for X amount of SKUs, well, I still need to do that again every single month and then increase it again. Whereas if I've built a foundation in my business and the balance is tipped and I don't need to be finding as many, if I want to increase my business, then there's just an increase of business 
but I don't need to increase what I'm already doing, if that makes sense, because that's automatically being done. Because you go into every single month with sales already under the belt, because you've already done that work. So you can focus on the growth in your business. Whereas when you run a solid reseller business, you're just focusing on the sales, just constantly. You're only as good as your last week, whereas you're building the foundation in the business. So it works from two points in that uh, point of view. Now, lots of opportunities come out of replens as well. So that's one of the best models uh, to be able to look at. So I always encourage people to start on an OA basis and then use the data they get to be able to identify the replens in their business that are straight replens that I can buy from a wholesaler, I can buy from this and buy for that. Then we can use that data to then create our own opportunities as well, which is super important. Again, do the work once. So I can't emphasize this enough. So one of the things that is, I, I do you know, I feel like I'm saying this every week at the moment, but it honestly changed the way I thought about everything. This was what I learned from the ClickFunnel guy, Russell Bronson, Bronson, Branson, whatever. I read his book and they often say this, you find one thing that just kind of sticks with you. And this is what stuck with me. If you want to earn more money, look at what you're already doing and what you're already doing well. And then see where the opportunities are and expand from there. Whereas we're always chasing shiny new things. You know, it's natural for us to do it. It's natural for us to look at something else and say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that and do that. It's the replenishables is the harder route. Okay. OA, believe it or not, most people think OA is the harder route. Replacing those deals every single month. But it's that shiny object syndrome when you think about it. Always chasing a new deal. Always, It's more fun chasing a new deal. Whereas replanning, identifying, getting that right, compounding, you know, that's harder. But works better in the long term. Whereas in the short term, the OA model works better. You know, if you're growing your business. So start your business, grow OA identify the replans in your business. Then when you've identified those replans in your business, get a certain amount of those replans that you can create under your own control, that you can bring under your own control, bring them into your business. And again, each time you move up a level, what will happen is your business will get to a point where you say, okay, well, I'm doing 100% OA. Okay, now 20% of my business is replans. And then over time, that will gradually shift to eventually you get to a point where it's like 50-50. So then you look at that 50% of your replans and you look at that and you say, right, okay, I now want to do 20% of that 50% in creating my own opportunities. And as you see more success in that, again, that balance will start to shift to overall take you and move you away from being purely reliant on that reselling. Now, where you go from there is entirely up to you. Some people like the mix in the business. That's what happened to, you know, uh, that's not what happened to me. We moved away from OA once we discovered that. But what we do moving forward is we now adopt different models into our business. Now that we have that level of replen in our business, which we do, so I do OA in the US completely. And again, that's got probably about a 20% replen. 
uh, level because that's purely OA in the model that works really, really well. But overall, I would say we're running about 70-30. So 70 pen, uh, replenishables in our business, bundles, et cetera, things like that, and 30% um, OA um, or buying other people's products or, or that type of thing. But then obviously I don't just sell. I have other income streams as well. So that's probably like 80, 20 as well. So all of these different percentages in the business. But I no longer, this is the whole point of this, I no longer rely on a fully replenishable business. It's a little bit of a mistake uh, to do so, to be able to do that. So I'm just checking in on uh, the comments. Um, so I, it's just me. So I want to make sure all questions are being answered. So does that make sense so far? Does that make sense? Uh, Richard says, hello and thank you. What tool do you recommend for uh, con contability, continuity, sellerboard, QuickBooks or inventory? Now, I use sellerboard, but at the moment, uh, I use sellerboard for uh, replens, um, but of course, if you're newish to the group, you probably won't be aware of this. We are actually building a replen inventory management tool uh, at the moment from software. So if you're part of the hive, you will know that B-Stocked is uh, currently being developed. So at the moment, we use Sellerboard, um, but we are moving more into our own uh, development. Uh, I think Sellerboard is really good for replens. Um, because you can filter all of your sales. Uh, you can filter it all depending on um, the amount of units you sell versus the revenue, I think. And it and it gives the data in the easiest way possible to be able to identify the replenishables in your business. So like for me, if I looked at any other paid software, it would be Sellerboard uh, for replenish. Uh, I think that's the best one, personally. Um. Donna says uh, private label. It depends. Uh, it depends if you want to go traditional private label. Um, I wouldn't, if private label, if that's what you want to go in, you know the business, then I still think some of the best um, information is on things like Helium 10. You know, if you sign up and you get the software then they've got a private label course uh, that's included in that and nothing really changes in that respect or over of like buying the products identifying the products sourcing manufacture which is all covered in in the, that information the only thing that really changes over time which is where you need to make sure the information you're getting is up to date is on the launching of the product so um you know how you launch those products paid advertising what to do what not to do but i don't think you can go far wrong by uh watching what is it freedom freedom course or something like that in Helium 10. If you want the link for Helium 10, let me know. I've got a good discount code. Um, but you you kind of, if you want to do private label, uh, you need the Helium 10 software anyway. So the uh, that's what I mean. I, I wouldn't pay for a private label course. Um, and again, YouTube, yes, that type of thing. But you've just got to be really careful in terms of uh, who you listen to 
and knowing how up to date the information is as well. So like if if someone's posting some information about like paid advertising and you can see the video is 18 months old, there's a good chance it's out of date. Certain things don't go out of date. Certain things don't change, uh, but strategies do. So that's that's the most important thing. So, yes, I can give you a link if you want to sign up for um, uh, Helium 10 and you get like a discount code and everything. Um, but, yeah, Kurum, I agree. Also having that adaptability and mindset is what you need to keep and it will keep your head and shoulders above everything else. I think that's 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 it. I think that's the key, really, and not overcomplicating it and just doing, you know, consistent actions, consistent actions in everything we do. We spoke about this last week at um, the the in piece, uh, the in-person training that we had a week ago last Monday. God, has it been a week already? That, that time has flown. Um, we spoke about we love as humans to overcomplicate shit. We really do, to be perfectly honest. We love to look at something and say, right, okay, well, I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to do that. Well, actually, sometimes going and getting to the A to Z, um, you don't need to hit B, C, D, F, G all along the way. Sometimes you can just go from A to Z um, and not overcomplicate the journey and have too many, you know, different moving parts along the way. So for me, I think it's having that level I think the three things that you need to succeed on Amazon in 2024 moving forward is be prepared to be flexible, have that adaptable mindset, definitely build a replenishable part to your business and implement it on a consistent basis and constantly always be adding but you can do that on a consistent basis. So continuity, having that replenishable and having the ability to adapt and change things as well. Because if you go all in on something and then something changes and it cuts you off, then it's such a big wrench to go the different, you know, go a different way. We see, so, we've seen so many, <laughs> thanks Chris, also join the hype. Uh, we see so many different, uh, we've seen so many big sellers leave the market over the last couple of years because they've just gone all in on one strategy. And when it stopped working, it's too much ag to change it all because they're just doing one thing and they put all of their eggs in one basket. And what happens when that stops working, which um, ultimately it will, you know, nothing is forever in this. The only thing that you can ever count on with this selling model is there will always be a demand to buy products at a certain price and sell them at a higher price. That's arbitrage. That's the only thing that you can ever really count on. Um, you know, and all indications lead us to believe that third party sellers on Amazon are going to, you know, that's a big part of what, you know, they want to build on more moving forward. But you know, Amazon, what happens if Amazon kicks all third party sellers off? We know it's not going to happen, but, you know, uh, this is what I mean. It's always about um, being being adaptable. Sorry to interrupt this amazing episode of Beyond the Buy Box, but there's just something I need to tell you about. I'm Matthew, one of the founders of Beyond the Buy Box, 
And have you heard of The Hive? Are you tired of navigating the challenges of online selling alone? It's time to join a community that understands your journey and has the expertise to help you thrive. Well, welcome to The Hive. Inside The Hive, we're not just a community. We're a mastermind set of individuals committed to your success. Education is at the core of The Hive. With a steady flow of content and weekly interactive live sessions, you'll not only learn about advanced selling strategies, but also discover how effectively to sell across a diverse range of platforms and in various global markets. Network with fellow business owners, share experiences, and keep yourself accountable. Your success is influenced by who you choose to spend your time with. Access invaluable resources from exclusive pre-recorded content to a constantly expanding collection of templates, guidelines, standing operating procedures, and so much more. It's always up to date so you can be confident to stay steps ahead of the competition with the Hive community. Join the Hive today and experience the transformative support you need in the challenging journey of e-commerce. Visit the link below to become a member of the Hive and unlock the door to your e-commerce success. Don't miss out on the Hive advantage. Join the Hive community where success is a collective journey. But yeah, sorry, that's what I was going on to say, uh, Donna, actually. For me, um, bundles is a great way to learn that way of selling before going into private label. So the reason why I created the bundle system that I did was because um, at the time, a little bit like now, a lot of people are going through the process of like, OA doesn't work in the way that it used to. So I need to do something a little bit different. And this is a repeat cycle. We've already been through this once. This is this is like flares coming back into fashion, which incidentally they are at the moment. You know, everyone's wearing flares again. Uh, everything has a cycle. And we're now in a cycle of what used to work doesn't work anymore. So people are naturally looking to other options and private label was one of them at the time. But for me, private label didn't make sense uh, because, you know, for various different reasons, like you would have to invest thousands into um, into products that you didn't even really know were going to work until you'd actually gone ahead and sold them. So I created the bundle system that I create, which is which is taught in the hive, which is a paid mastermind Facebook group, essentially. Um, I created that system five years ago, five, six years ago, because I never really got on board with private labels. So it's that halfway house between the two. Over the years, it's adapted more into, you know, certain levels of private label. But we have different levels of bundles, essentially. So if you want to go down that creative private label route, you can. You can test the market. But what I mean by private label didn't really work for me it well I've, I've never done traditional private label not my own product anyway so I just bundles kind of mitigated the risk okay so that's what we're trying to say um you know that's why I created the system that I did it allows us to test and learn the market before we move into you know private labels so a lot of people start bundles and then move into private label uh, because it's not an easier way to do it because anyone that does bundles will tell you it's a completely different model to OA. So from that point of view, everyone's a bit like, oh, okay, it's definitely not easier. And if you're expecting it to be easier, it's definitely not. It's harder. There's a lot more front end work that's involved, but it's an easier if you do bundles and then move into private label. It's a much easier transition. 
Uh, that's what I'm trying to say, because a lot of what we do can be used for private label as well. Not all, but what we what we do. So it's a good way to to transition uh, into that. So um, going back to replens, hopefully today's session's kind of given you that um, that little boost of validation, reassurance of whatever you need um, to be able to kind of diversify and put a level of replenishables in your business. Now, like I said, uh, for me, as long as there's a level of um, replens being introduced into your business, that's the most important thing. And then it's like opportunity. It's going down that rabbit hole. So we spoke about it earlier. Some of the benefits are once you go into it, then you can create your own opportunities. And then when you create your own opportunities, what can happen is that can open the gateway for new suppliers. Because every time, and we've all been in this position where you've just been standard reseller, when you have the opportunity to create your own opportunities on Amazon or for other people, it adds a depth of knowledge to your arsenal of being an Amazon seller. So now I can go to a, a wholesaler that may have said no to me just selling to me before because they just didn't want their products, you know, being saturated or price tanking on Amazon. Well, now I can go to any seller and I can say, yeah, but I sell in a different way. So let me show you how investing in me can benefit you with your brand or your supply or something like that, because I can create my own opportunities. I can create opportunities for you and I can target, um, you know, exactly what I need to do uh, in order to maintain the trust of the client or the supplier and build that relationship. So more opportunities. And that's what you always need to be doing. You always look at, you know, for new opportunities. I often refer to myself as an opportunist, but not in the negative way. Uh, whenever something I see or comes along or, or something like that, I always think, okay, what what extra? How can how can we develop this uh, a little bit more? And um, by the way, I was I was saying about that Russell Bronson thing earlier. So it's it. More opportunity will always come from what you're already doing. If you can learn to look for that, then you will always be okay because there will always be opportunity in whatever you're doing. And again, coming back to that non-complicating, over-complicating things, this business really, when it boils down to everything, it's about identifying what you do well and what is making you money and doing more of that and eliminating what is not working and getting rid of that. That's what it comes down to uh, more than anything else. I know who's just said that football friend. <laughs> uh, oh no, I thought it was someone else actually. Um, help, what's that? Helping someone else uh, wholesaler with growth. I think I'm just jumping in on someone's conversation. So that's what it comes about. And the more diversification you can have in your business, uh, the more opportunities that you will be able to identify in the business and more um, resilience you will be able to build in that business by having that level of diversification. So we don't talk about diversification from, oh, I'm going to introduce 
eBay and I'm going to do on buy and I'm going to open a TikTok shop and I'm going to do this. We look for diversification from what we're already doing because we're already either doing it well or we have more opportunities because we know the market. That's what we do. And that links in very much with replenishable products. And also things like as well, never underestimate uh, the more opportunities you can create out of something, better pricing. It helps you become a better business person from a negotiation point of view. Because if I'm facilitating resale products, then I'm creating my own opportunities. Then I'm regularly ordering the products time and time again. I'm building goodwill with my suppliers. So after my third reorder, I can come back uh, not only with an increased amount and I can say, look, I spend 10,000 um, I spend £10,000 with you every three months. I'm looking to increase it for this. What can you do for me? You know, it gives you more opportunity, like I said, to negotiate better prices, better terms, um, you know, things like that. So it's absolutely important to look at what you're doing in your business, identify what's going well, do more of it introduce that even more. And that's how replens work. You know, that sort of mindset, identify what's not working and get rid of it. That's, that's one of the keys. Uh, someone said, do you do OA in the US with a prep center? Uh, yeah. So it's completely remote. So OA is, you know, that's the highest percentage. I don't really have anything to do with that part of the business because it's, it's 95% outsourced VAs, prep centers, um, team members, assistants. I, yeah, I don't have hardly anything to do with that whatsoever. It's kind of, it's not I was going to use the I was going to use the danger word passive then because it's not passive. Um, but yeah, that's that's solely run Whereas again comes down to percentages. Whereas we've got the bundle business. Um, I still create the bundles in the business. Now we're looking to increase bundles in the US, which means I will get more involved with selling in the US. But where we're selling in the UK, I'm more involved from that point of view. So I only sell in US and UK, whereas um, Johnny and Matt, who are the partners in this business as well, they sell in UK and Europe. Um, but Johnny's just opened a TikTok shop as well. So uh, fingers crossed we'll have that uh, area of experience coming in. I know I've just said don't listen to shiny object syndrome, but for a lot of you, it will make sense, uh, you know, to diversify into that market when it's right for your business. Uh, yeah, so for me, um, for me, it's, yeah, UK and US. Um, it really depends, Tom, to be perfectly honest. It's it's different selling models. Um, you know, you've got to, there are advantages of setting up from a company within your own country that you're living in. But one of the pitfalls that we're seeing at the moment is for the guys that are based outside of the UK, um, that have set up a UK company and are operating from outside of that country, um, having big disbursement issues with this VAT, um, uh, this VAT, oh, what's the word? Not VAT claim, what is VAT? With Amazon claiming VAT on their behalf. So you just need to make sure that you look at all the potential pitfalls. So like if someone said to me at this moment in time, okay, I'm based outside of the UK, I'm going to open, you know, uh, uh, something in, in 
the country of origin and sell there um it's probably better if you're like in that country and selling in that country but what i mean by that is opening an llc in the us and having that that entity there uh which is perfectly acceptable to do it so just think about those those sort of things but that's something that's again it's relatively new we didn't know that that was going to happen with the guys that are, that are living outside of the uk and selling and you would think as well that it's something that Amazon have corrected moving forward. So probably wouldn't be an issue if you're a new seller now. Um, it's more a case of if you have been selling and you are not resident in the UK, then just be aware this is an issue that may land on your doorstep at some point. I know that went off on a little bit of a tangent. So, um, and also finally, the last thing I wanted to say really is um, with replenishables, Going back to that strong men, weak men, hard times, you know, good times. Um, having a level of replenishables in your business really does make you resilient to market conditions and market changes. If you are always selling, you know, a percentage of the products that are always going to be able to be sold, then you will always be okay in your business. So you're not relying on trends. You're relying on evergreen products, those screwdrivers. Like I said, thinking about uh, replenishing those products that there will always be a demand for, no matter what happens in the world. No, obviously some things that happen in the world are more extreme than others, but you are more likely to weather economic, um, you know, sort of times when we go into periods of high inflation, because you will just be able to move in the market. If we go into a period of time where we see, uh, you know, recession, those type of things, if you are selling products that always have a demand, and you are always able to do it, then it gives you more security in your business, as opposed to being, you know, always chasing the next deal. So that's the thing that I wanted to end on as well. So not only does it bring high level of profit in your business and all of the good stuff, but it also brings a level of security to your business and future proofing. I don't think everything, I don't think anything is indefinitely future proofed, but future proofed uh, until we find something else and having that mindset of flexibility and adaptability, there will be something else. In two years' time, I'll be talking about something else. I'll still be talking about selling on Amazon, but we'll probably likely be talking about a new way that's been identified or a way that we've had to adapt that we weren't expecting because of market you know, conditions or Amazon's changed something or whatever. But it allows us and gives, them, gives us, you know, having that replan part of our business, the opportunity to do it. Right. So does that make sense, guys? Uh, I know a few of you are dropping off now, maybe lunch hours end. I didn't want to go too much. I can't believe like that's been an hour and 10 minutes. I always think to myself, how am I going to fill an hour of talking? Me, just me. And then I think, well, it is me. I can probably do this for like eight hours or something. <laughs> I've always, there's always, always, always something to talk about. But yeah, I like I said, I wanted to do it in this format a little bit today because I wanted to talk specifically about the importance of building that element into your business. Don't be a busy fool. Do the work once, rinse and repeat that. Not the same job that you can't, you cannot build upon the foundation that you have laid. 
do the work once, do it well, identify it, and then repeat that. You will have a happier Amazon selling life if you can identify that in your business, believe me. And like I said, it makes you uh, definitely makes you more resilient to it as well. So I'm going to be back uh, next week. I'll have a, a guest next week. Uh, I'm just talking to someone I'm hoping that has uh, spent, you know, spent quite a long time building a, um, you know, a, a bun not quite a long time, sorry, spent time focusing on building bundles within their business. And they've just absolutely exploded with it. And it's brought a level of security that they weren't expecting uh, to their business and they're able to grow from there. So I'm hoping that that person's going to come and uh, join me next week and uh, we can talk to them about that. If not, it'll probably be myself and Matt anyway as well, keeping you update with everything that's going on with Amazon. Uh, any questions, obviously, just uh, as always, put them in the group, um, you know, and if you need to tag one of us, please uh, do so. If you want any information, I see that the lovely Cindy has already posted the link uh, for the Hive. If you want to work towards building that replenishable part of your business, that is exactly what we focus on in the Hive. That is the information that we talk about tonight. Uh, in particular, uh, we're talk, having a session on how to identify bundles in a certain way as well. Great for people that want to get started in that replen model of selling. We've got wholesale information and we'll be focusing on a lot more of the focus of the hive over the next 12 months is really about replens. If anybody said to me, what is the main focus of the hive? I would absolutely, or moving forward, what is the main focus of the hive? And it's most definitely about building replens in whatever model uh, in your business. That is what the main focus is. So if you are interested in uh, building that replen side of your business, uh, make sure you join because come a week or so, um, because the hive's been running for a year now, there's lots of fantastic information in there already. Uh, there will be a price change. Um, the monthly will remain the same, but there will be a joining offer because obviously when you come into the hive, there's a wealth of information uh, that is in there already. So um, that's why we've decided to to go down with building a, 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 a sorry, I was just looking at the time. That's why we've decided building a joining offer in. So uh, if you do want to sign up and you don't want to uh, pay the joining fee. Now's the time to do it. Um, but thanks for all your interaction, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, you guys have been um, great with all your questions and everything. Jeff says amazing information. Thanks. No, you're welcome. Thanks for joining. Really appreciate it. So I will see you next week, guys. Uh, and if you are in the hive, I'll see you tonight. Take care, everyone. Bye.